Tyler O'Neill is a great fit for the Boston Red Sox outfield. Here's why on Locked on Red Sox. You are Locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast, and I am here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox, Monday through Friday, straight to your favorite podcast feed for free. And who doesn't love free? I mean, don't we all? So you might as well start your day off right by tuning in to Locked on Red Sox, right? Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Welcome to another episode of the show. It's the holiday season. So many lights are up. I've enjoyed seeing all of the beautiful Christmas decorations and lights and trees that people have. It's just a great time of year, really. I hope you're on top of that holiday shopping. I know I personally always leave mine for the last minute, and I am trying to be better about that. I did start already, which is surprisingly earlier than I usually start. Please don't judge me for that. But welcome back. Dodgers fans got a pretty good Christmas gift early this holiday season. Shohei Otani, holy crap. What a deal that is. So I'm going to be going into that today, how it can impact the rest of the market, primarily the pitching market, which the Red Sox are targeting, and going over the trade that the Red Sox made over the weekend in which they acquired an outfielder. So lots to talk about on today's show. But first of all, just wanted to give you a heads up that it is the holiday season. People are very busy with shopping and getting things together. So I'm going to do my best to still provide episodes to you. It'll be about three times a week for the next few weeks or so, just to kind of give myself some time to get that holiday shopping locked in. But don't you worry, I will be back up in full swing five days a week very soon. But happy to start off your week with another episode of the show and Shohei Otani, my, oh my. I can't at all say that I'm surprised as to where he landed. I expected him to ultimately be a Dodger. It made a lot of sense for him since he previously played with the Angels. So he doesn't really have to make a move or worry about acclimating himself to a different environment. He's already used to playing in LA. Obviously it's a very different scenery at Dodger stadium, but Dodgers fans are welcoming him with open arms. They are absolutely ecstatic as they should be. What Otani is doing is something we've never seen before and might not ever see again. How do you get a talent that can hit 
and pitch and do both so incredibly well. It's cool to witness, and I've enjoyed watching him play. The Angels were in the running and wanted to bring him back, but it's just tough when you've had Otani and Mike Trout on your team for a while, and you can't even make the playoffs. So I don't blame Otani for wanting a change, wanting to be somewhere else on a team that's very much set up for success for a long time. There's a lot of big contracts on the books with the Dodgers right now. So they added another one, but it just amazes me that it was as much as it was, it was a 10 year deal for $700 million. Talk about a crazy, crazy number I would never want the Red Sox to spend that much money on one player. This deal nearly doubles the $360 million record for a free agent, which was set by Aaron Judge last December. If you split Otani's new salary in two, you could pay two Hall of Famers. It's actually insanity. He's rewriting the checkbook by signing the richest contract ever for an athlete. The contract that he was going to get, I knew was going to be heavy, and I knew it was going to set the tone for other contracts moving forward, but I am still surprised that it was that much. And one of the reasons why it's a risk for the Dodgers is because he already can't pitch the whole season in 2024 after having Tommy John surgery. So he's basically being paid in 2024 to be a DH. He'll go through his rehab. He'll get his arm back to where it needs to be. And then he'll pitch again in 2025. But who's to say that he'll be able to stay healthy when he comes back in 2025 or that he'll be as effective as he was of a pitcher before. Now, what's even crazier about all of this is even if he's not pitching, he's still an MVP caliber player just based on his hitting stats. I mean, the guy's a wizard. He can hit really well. He can pitch really well. And it's really the full package if that's what the Dodgers are getting. I was hesitant after he got injured about wanting the Red Sox to sign him. I was so adamant on him coming to Boston for a good portion of the 2023 season. But then when that news broke that he was going out with an injury and wasn't going to be able to pitch for the rest of the season. And then the news shortly after that came out that he wouldn't pitch in 2024. I said, yeah, I don't think it's worth that kind of money for Boston because they don't really need a DH. They have plenty of DH options. And why would you spend that kind of money on somebody who's going to be a DH primarily? And obviously the Dodgers are fine with taking that risk. They're pretty much the only franchise that I feel like would take that risk. And I can only hope that he'll be able to be healthy and give them the contributions that they're looking for from him. Because at the end of the day, his health is going to be the deciding factor, whether the Dodgers are happy about that or not. If he comes back in 2025 and he's able to pitch well, it still might not be as well as the Otani that we knew before because he's been removed from the game for a while and he hasn't really been able to be around live hitters in a while. So he first might 
to begin with, start off rusty because he hadn't pitched in 2024. And even still, when he comes back, if he's able to figure things out, it'll be maybe not to the same caliber at all. So he, we've seen it with Chris Sale. He came back after being injured, and he just hasn't been the same pitcher since, and he's dealt with more injuries since then. I really hope that doesn't happen to Otani with the Dodgers, but honestly, good for them for going out and getting their guy. They had been in on him for a very long time. They had been scouting him since he was in high school, and the expectation was that they would be a favorite to land him this offseason, and sure enough, they did. And if it works out, it's going to look like a great contract. But if it doesn't, it's tough. So I'm hoping for the best from him. But this significantly impacts the rest of the market. Had the Dodgers missed out on him, they would have been all in on Yamamoto. And the chances of them getting him probably would have been very high because of where the Dodgers are at. They have a championship caliber team with all the talent they have right now on that team. So I'm sure they could have found a way to lure in Yamamoto. So because they're spending all that money on Otani, it's now a good thing for other teams because they won't be able to sign Yamamoto now too. So that eliminates that possibility. But the bad news is now other players are going to expect big contracts, not to the same extent that Otani's contract is because he's both a hitter and a pitcher. So any normal free agent can't possibly expect to get the same type of deal that Otani's getting, but they might demand, you know, 400 mil now. I'm sure Yamamoto's market has gone up after the Otani deal. Pitchers like him are not going to settle now that they've seen the possibility of what somebody can make. So the Red Sox, if they seriously want to compete for Yamamoto or another pitcher of the sort, they are going to have to be willing to spend the money and accept the fact that they're going to be dishing out a lot of cash for a pitcher like that because Otani just set the precedent that players will make a lot of money, and we knew he was going to be the market. Shohei Otani was the market, and he made it happen for – himself. So now other players are going to expect the same thing. So when the Red Sox go out and they're making deals with free agents that they want to sign, they have to go in knowing that and knowing, okay, Otani just signed this huge deal. So we have to be willing to break the bank if we really want guys. So hopefully the Red Sox have that mentality and they go out and acquire some players. They did acquire an outfielder via trade over the weekend. So coming up, I'm going to be discussing that trade, what they lost in the trade and what they gained and really overall what it means for the Red Sox. Are you a sports betting fan? Do you love the idea of being able to make bets every day and make life exciting for yourself? If so, check out FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. What's exciting about FanDuel is the possibility of making a ton of money 
it gives you so many options to make different bets. So if you're really trying to win a lot, check out FanDuel today. Also, you should download the SiriusXM app because you can actually get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to miss a single pitch. And hopefully 2024 is a much better season than 2023. It will be. So you won't want to miss pitches. So if that's the case, if you can't watch the game live, you can at least listen to it if you download the SiriusXM app. So make sure you do that today. Speaking of the 2024 season, the Red Sox have now added an outfielder to their team for the 2024 season. Tyler O'Neill via trade from the Cardinals. The Red Sox needed a defensive outfielder because they had traded Alex Verdugo, who truly was the best defensive outfielder for Boston in 2023. So because they traded him, they needed somebody to step in and cover that track defensively. And they did find that in Tyler O'Neill. He's a two-time gold glove winner in left field and is just very known for his defense. If he's healthy, he can also be an asset defensively. He's had injuries that have dragged him down the last couple seasons. In the past two seasons, he's hit the IL due to a right shoulder impingement, a left hamstring strain, a lower back strain, and a right foot strain. He's been able to get into just 168 games over those two seasons, hitting 23 home runs and producing a batting line of a 229 batting average, 310 on base percentage and 397 slugging percentage. So he's been a bit below league average from an offensive standpoint the last couple seasons. And that's primarily due to the fact that he hasn't been able to play a lot because of his injuries. But in the 2021 season, he played 138 games and hit 34 home runs. He struck out a relatively high amount at 31.3% but hit a 286 with a 352 on base percentage and 560 slugging. He also stole 15 bases and had a lot of people buzzing about his outfield defense. So then if you take all of that, his all-around production led to a tally of five and a half wins above replacement, which basically means the team got about five to six more wins with him in that position than they would have if they took a replacement player and put them in there. So my point for reading off those stats is he can be a powerful force offensively. When the Red Sox traded for him, they liked the fact that he's a power bat option who could hit a lot of home runs And he's also a right-handed bat in what is a very heavy left-handed lineup. He can help balance that out because the only really power-heavy bat that was right-handed the Red Sox had in the lineup previously was Trevor Story. But by bringing O'Neal in there, he can help balance out that righty-lefty batting lineup. But not only that, his two-time gold glove defense can pay off tremendously for Boston. So the Red Sox liked the appeal of him being a right-handed power bat at Fenway, and he slots right in defensively to where Verdugo was. I see him, if he's healthy, as a significant upgrade over Verdugo because Verdugo's numbers were kind of falling off in the second half of the season, 
and O'Neal can be that guy who can absolutely crush it at Fenway. His bat would own Fenway, but I do have a concern about injuries. Since he's had a lot of injuries the last couple seasons and hasn't been able to stay healthy, it's a valid concern to feel a little bit worried about whether he's going to be playing a lot or not. So I'm looking at that as a potential factor. The question now becomes, where do they put him? Like, how does he get utilized? Does he get utilized as a fourth outfielder or does he have more of an everyday role? I'm inclined to believe he has more of an everyday role. I like this to be the situation. He's used to playing left field. That's where he's played his entire career. So rather than trying to move him to another position, why not keep him in what he knows best, where he can really feel the most comfortable and likely contribute the most. So I'd like to keep him in left field, put Duran in center field, and then in right field, it would be a combination of either Abreu, Rafaela, maybe they you know, decide to bring Duval back and put him there. So there's a few things they could do. And then I would move Yoshida to DH because he's not great defensively anyway. So by moving him to DH, they're eliminating his weakness, which is his defense. But with the contract Yoshida has, they might be hesitant to move him to a full-time DH because they're basically spending a lot of money on him. So to be a full-time DH could be a hard thing for them to justify, but that's what I'd like for them to do. But there's flexibility and options. It's a good problem to have. I think Tyler O'Neill, if he's healthy, could be an absolute star for the Boston Red Sox. He's a very talented player, and it's absolutely a good move for Boston. Who did they get rid of in the trade? They got rid of two pitchers in there. Um, one was Nick Robertson, who the Red Sox traded for during the 2023 season in a three-player trade for Kike Hernandez. He spent some time in AAA and also some time in the majors. He allowed 15 earned runs in 22 and a third innings with a 6.04 ERA in 18 relief outings between the Dodgers and Red Sox in 2023. Robertson in September definitely showed some upside for Boston, but not to the point yet where I was convinced that he could be a key contributor out of this bullpen. I don't think it was enough time. It was a pretty small sample size, what we saw of him. But in September, in those last few weeks of the season, he was showing some promise and looked like he was starting to figure things out. So I was excited about the possibility of what he could do moving forward out of the Red Sox bullpen, but not excited enough to the point where it makes me really upset that we don't have him anymore because they traded him for an absolute need in the outfield. So it's something that needed to happen. And again, we never know whether a prospect is going to really pan out or not. So maybe he'll figure things out with the Cardinals. I truly hope that he does because they, you know, deserve to have their fair share of this trade work out. And he deserves to be in a place where he can prove his talent and find a permanent home. So I'm rooting for him. And I'm also rooting for the Red Sox other pitcher that they traded, which is Victor Santos. He's a minor league pitcher the Red Sox have in the system. He missed all of last season with an elbow injury. He's a right-handed pitcher who recently re-signed a minor league pact with the Red Sox's offseason. 
He has a 372 ERA in 101 games, 72 of them being starts in the minors. So he's pitched as a starter and out of relief, but that elbow injury was definitely a bit of a concern. So with the Red Sox making this move, they are giving away somebody who could be a big risk for the Cardinals. And from the Cardinals standpoint, they needed pitching depth. So this move helps them get that in two younger pitchers that they can hopefully develop within their system. So they get their end of the trade and address needs that they have. But my concern is that elbow injury. So whether Santos is going to be able to be effective for them is a different story. So we'll have to see what happens there. But overall, I like the move for Boston. These are two pitchers that didn't have a whole lot of a role in the Boston Red Sox organization right now, and they weren't high-end prospects. So the Red Sox got back a two-time gold glover for prospects who were talented but not the most high-end prospects they have. So overall, I think it's a good move from Bo- for Boston, especially if O'Neill can stay healthy. Now that Craig Breslow made a significant move to trade for a player, what are the next steps that need to happen here this offseason? I will be discussing that next. Very exciting news for the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. This is truly a great opportunity for Locked On, and it's a great opportunity for you to stay involved in what's going on in sports so you don't have to feel like you're missing out on anything. So head to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Also, don't forget to download the SiriusXM app as you can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to miss a single pitch. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to worry about like, oh, I have to rush home from work to be able to watch the game on time. What if you have to stay late at work? We all do sometimes. We are adults with full-time jobs. It happens. But if you're running late at work and the game's starting – You can at least listen to it when you're in that car ride home and feel like you're still in on the action, which is a great way to stay involved with what's going on in the game. So download the SiriusXM app today. Also, don't forget that you can get Lockdown Red Sox on your favorite podcast platform for free. Just continue to share it with friends and family, leave a rating, leave a review, and hit that follow button on Twitter at GabbyHurlbutt10 or on the show's Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox. We can have a good time talking Red Sox on there and getting different perspectives on different things. It's always a fun time doing that. So follow me on Twitter today and follow the show on Twitter as well. Craig Breslow made his first big move within the baseball operations department for the Boston Red Sox, trading for outfielder Tyler O'Neill. Where his positioning in the outfield is going to be is yet to be determined still, but hopefully he can stay healthy and contribute to this Red Sox team because that would absolutely be a W for Boston. Now, this trade happened. Now, what's next for the Red Sox? Still a lot of offseason left, still a lot of players on the board. Like I said earlier on in the show, Shohei Otani set the precedent for how the rest of the market is going to go. 
simple as that. He was the market. Everybody knew this going in. He signed a massive, massive deal with more money and more years than I would have even thought at all. I did think, you know, maybe nine or 10 years was what he was going to get, but that $700 million is insane. So because of that, the Red Sox are going to have to step up their game. Yamamoto today is meeting with division rival New York Yankees. Ew. I really hope he decides not to sign there because they've already gotten Juan Soto this offseason. So I really can't handle more heartbreak and the Yankees getting yet another star level talent. So the Red Sox have to be aggressive for starting pitching. It's been reported that they're heavily interested in Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery, and they see him as a priority the biggest pitching priority outside of Yamamoto and they are willing to make him an offer, which is awesome. They can do that, but he's still a solid number two. They need a solid number one in that rotation. And by signing Montgomery, that can't be the only big pitching acquisition this off season. They need to be aggressive with Yamamoto. And if Yamamoto decides to sign elsewhere, which like I said, I can't fault the Red Sox if they genuinely try and put an effort to sign him and he signs elsewhere. That's not on them, but they have to actually try and put in the effort. And if he signs elsewhere, they need to look in other avenues. The Brewers have said that they're open to trading Ace Corbin Burns this offseason. That could be a great fit for Boston. They could put together a competitive trade package now that they have some assets since Heim Bloom worked so hard to rebuild that farm system after the 2018 World Series season. So they have some assets that they could trade now. So whether it's via trade or the free agent market, they absolutely have to be aggressive with getting that true number one starting pitcher. There's really no other option at this point for Boston. The starting rotation was the biggest area of weakness for this Red Sox team in 2023. So if they can acquire two starters to slot into that rotation in front of Bayo, it takes pressure off of him so he doesn't have to feel like he's the guy because I don't think he can really handle that type of pressure right now. And it also allows the Red Sox to feel like they've built a more competitive starting rotation. And if you want to be a playoff team, you need the pitching. You cannot just rely on your offense to get you there. You need to have the pieces in place from a pitching standpoint in order to be competitive. We saw the Rangers when they won the World Series. That pitching staff was absolute nails in the postseason. You need to have that to compete. So that needs to still be the number one priority. I hope and trust that it is and that Breslow's on it. He knows what pitchers he should be prioritizing. And hopefully he takes the right steps to do that. And also a second baseman, a primary second baseman who can play defense is another lesser priority than the pitching, but it's still in the mix. The Red Sox have had talks with Whit Merrifield to come in. I've mentioned him on the show before. He's a veteran second baseman who is proven to be good defensively. So he could be a good cheap option for a couple of years as kind of a bridge guy until Marcelo Meyer is presumably ready to come up and be the full-time shortstop, in which case then Trevor Story would likely move to second base. So he could be a good bridge guy to get in the meantime, if that's what the Red Sox are looking for, if they don't necessarily want to commit to a longer term second baseman, he's absolutely somebody that they could consider as an option. So that's a little bit of a lesser option and priority than the pitching. But those are the two next things that I'd star. I'd say the offense is 
obviously solid right now. The outfield is pretty set now with this O'Neill trade. The Red Sox did say that they believe their outfield is pretty set. So I don't expect them to really make any more moves unless they still decide to bring Duvall back, which you never know. I don't know how heavy those conversations are with him, but there could be a possibility that he comes back to be part of that outfield in Boston. So whether he comes back or not, I think the outfield would be pretty set either way. And that was a need going into this offseason. So if you had a little checklist for Craig Breslow, you could check that off. Now he needs to check off the other items. Is he going to be the guy that's going to go out there and get deals done? That's what still remains a question. Is he going to be more aggressive than Heim Bloom was when it comes to making deals and signing players, is he going to be not overly protective of prospects and be willing to give up the prospects in order to get the return for players who are worth it that would make a great fit here and fill a need? So lots of pressures on Breslow over the next couple months, but I do applaud him for clearing out Verdugo and trading for somebody who is an upgrade overall as long as he can stay healthy. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Sports today on YouTube so you can catch the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Nobody else does this except Locked On, so it's a very exciting opportunity for the network, and you will not be disappointed. It's a great way to keep up in everything going on in sports so you don't have to worry at any time of day about missing anything. So subscribe to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and also download the SiriusXM app so that you can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to miss a single pitch. I highly encourage you to do that. As always, keep the faith, go Red Sox, and I will catch you on the flip side.